right into the message. Uh, before I jump in, man, thank you so much for just being kind and, and working through all of the, the dust and the debris around here. We did our best to make the place safe uh, for the kids and because and, we have a lot of children that run around. Um, but we, week by week, we've seen, how many of you saw the nursery thus far? Um, a few of you, yeah, it's really, really cool what's happening. So next week, next Sunday, that will be buttoned up as far as the flooring. Um, we're getting new vinyl. This is news to Anthony, but as of yesterday, but we'll, we're getting some new vinyl uh, flooring down in the nursery. And then we have uh, the artist. I don't even see her. Where's she at? She's in nursery. Uh, so we have our resident artist um, that is going to be doing some designs and stuff on the wall. We're getting some new equipment, and that will be done. Praise the Lord. Um, so the nursery area will be done. And then we're really we're focused on the downstairs as well. Um, we had some hiccups this week with the plumbing, but all is back on track. And um, so we're pushing forward on that. But I'm, I'm excited. I know you're excited to actually be able to go to the bathroom when you come to church. Because <laughs> these two get clogged real quick. Not clogged. See what I did there? See what I did? I mean like a line. You know what I mean? Like people waiting. But yeah, anyway, you get what I'm saying. They get congested. That would have been a better choice of words, Miss Gemma. They get clogged. <laughs> God bless it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're real here. You know, we talk about toilets and stuff and the announcements. Sure do. Anyway, um, but I'm, I'm excited about that. And our kids' space, man, I cannot wait for you to see it. All the games and, and the paintings and the rugs and the check-in station, it's going to be legit down there, and we're so excited. So bear with us because we're going to make a transition soon where the children will start downstairs. The nurseries and the youth, all of that will start at the beginning of service, which will give us some more space in here. Um, so we're going, going for that soon, uh, and, and pray for us that we can keep meeting these deadlines and keep pushing things forward. If you have a hidden talent, uh, and you know, you're really good at something, uh, please don't hide it any longer. We need to know (laughs) if you have some kind of skill set. I was, I was sitting in here studying and Mr. Dan walked in and uh, he's like, Hey, Hey pastor, how are you? I'm doing great. Just, you know, studying, getting ready for the, getting ready for Sunday. What was this? Two weeks ago. And uh, he's like, man, we've been coming for about a month, and we really like it. You know, we're making this our church. And he's like, just so you know, I'm an electrician. I said, just so you know, you're hired. (laughs) Right there on the spot. Anyway, but I mean, right there, we took, you know, we took our budget and just put money right back into it. Do you understand? Like, it's just, that's how God works. And I didn't tell him, you know, yeah, we were running a little short on that project. But that's, that's what God does. So anyway, um, and he's helping me with the lighting in here because, we, you know, it's, it's coming. It's, it's getting real, you know. Um, but anyway, it's just really neat. So if you're sitting on a talent, God bless you, get off of it and let everybody know about it. <laughs> anyway, um, I know my coffee's under here somewhere. I'm, I'm being really uh, hesitant about jumping into this message because it's a rough one. So I'm stalling. I really am. Hold on one second. stalling. Coffee's good this morning. Heaven first. Heaven first. How many of you like that artwork? I don't really know what it means, but it's something, maybe that's what heaven looks like. I'm not sure. Anyway, but it, it, you get the idea that we're talking about a world that is, I want to look at it on this screen. We're talking about a world that is outside of ours. We're talking about something that is beyond, Alan, how are you? Good to see you. We're talking about a world that is beyond what we know of, of our day-to-day. It would probably help if I um, opened up my sermon here. 
I'm telling you, I'm stalling. Let's go to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. Heaven first. When we've been going through this, this study, I find it very easy to pick on the disciples. Really easy. And you see that every week, right? Most of my jokes are pointed towards them and how Jesus either rips on them or uh, makes fun of them. You know, we had Sons of Thunder last week. Was it last week? Trying to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans. Was that last week? Yeah, trying to call down fire because Jesus was like, yeah, we're going to go through Samaria. And they're like, are you kidding me? We don't roll that way, Jesus. And he's like, yes, you do now and all that. And so it's really easy to pick on the disciples. But Jesus is about to turn and flip the script. And you're about to see why they are disciples. You're about to see just what it costs them to be a part of Jesus' ecosystem and be one of the 12. You're, you're going you're to get an inside scoop on what it was like and what they had to do, what, what the initiation looked like to get them to that point that they were being you know, abused by Jesus, so to speak, in their training for the ministry. And don't get me wrong, Jesus loved them, but you understand what I'm saying. Most of the focus is on, I mean, we think about it, right? He taught them humility over the last few weeks. He taught them how to give mercy, how to forgive. He's teaching the disciples how to look through the eyes of love and actually uh, live out the gospel. Because remember, he keeps telling them, and they're not getting it. What does he keep saying to them over and over that they're not getting? That he's going to go to the what? He's going to go to the cross, right? But we see him turn and shift his focus a little bit. Let's look at verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Let's get the picture, okay? Jesus taught the disciples how to give mercy. And now they're all walking down the road, going to another village. Really, there's some, some time that's elapsed here. And you have Jesus with 12, and a man approaches them. And what does he say? Let's go back one. And it came to pass that as they, they, they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, so now someone's approaching them from the outside. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And I can see the disciples over there going. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You don't understand you don't understand what it takes. You don't, you don't get it. Like we pretty much had to give up everything our entire lives. And this man approaches them. Hi, I've heard a lot about you, Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, you heal people. You, you just like make people walk and stuff. And I want to go with you. Can, can I go with you guys? And Jesus is like, uh, verse 58. And Jesus said unto him, oh my goodness gracious. I'm telling y'all, this is a rough message. I'm just going to give it to you the way Jesus gave it to them. You okay with that? Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. At this point, they're like, wow, this guy's such a prophet. He's such a poet. He's talking about foxes and birds. This is amazing, right? They approach Jesus. And Jesus is like, foxes have holes and birds have nests. (laughs) But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Boom. 
Oh, you know the luxury that a fox has because he's got a hole that he calls his home? You know the luxury that a bird has where they have a nest and they nest? I don't have that. Next. (laughs) And he said unto another, another one, another one. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Follow me. But he said, and there's, and I could just see it. The disciples are over there going, "Uh uh-huh. wonder what this one's going to (laughs) say. They're over there. You know, the peanut gallery's like one down. Wonder how long this one's going to last. And Jesus is like, first, he says, follow me. But he said, Lord, Suffer me to go and bury my father. That seems reasonable. Yes or no? It's okay, church. You can think freely here. <laughs> Lord, suffer me to go bury my father. Does that, does that sound reasonable? Yes or no? It's reasonable. The answer is yes, okay? Does it sound reasonable? Sure! <laughs> and Jesus said unto him, Oh my goodness, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Strike two. I told you I was going to get rough in here. Verse 60, 61, sorry. And another said, another one, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them, what does it say? Farewell. Which are at home, at my house. Is that reasonable, yes or no? Come on, y'all, it's reasonable. Who tells their mom and dad goodbye before they leave the house? Okay, all right. Man, y'all a bunch of cold-hearted. Jesus would have gotten his disciples from Baltimore. I telling nobody goodbye, son. Get up out of here. You know what I'm saying? I got Jesus to follow. See y'all? Man, you guys are cold-hearted. It is reasonable to tell your family goodbye, and I hope that you were doing that, children, for your mom, I'm leaving. Love you. Okay. And Jesus said unto him, oh my goodness, no man, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm. Strike what? So we pick on the disciples every week. But have we ever considered what it cost the disciples? It's really easy to see a disciple in his sin and in his insufficiency where, you know, you could say, well, I I don't want to give them mercy. I have prejudice and you shouldn't do that, disciple. You should just give them mercy and you should just do exactly what Jesus said. Sure, we can really quick side with Jesus and say we would do it just like Jesus. But have you even considered what they had to do just to be a follower of Jesus? Do you as the church even meet the minimum baseline requirement for being called a Jesus follower? Ooh, I'm telling you, y'all, I love you so much. I love, I love each and every one of you unconditionally, but this is going to be a rough passage of Scripture to get through. And know that, that I love you, but I have to preach the truth. And this is part of preaching verse by verse. We come to passages like this, and I don't avoid them. We're going to go through them together. I had to face this text this week, and we came out with some changes. She doesn't know about them yet, but I'm going to tell her after this message. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, just bear with me. I'll sprinkle a little humor just to make myself feel better because this is rough. Jesus is going to address three key areas. Each one, and I, you know, it took me a little bit to unearth. You okay? It took me a little bit to unearth what he was trying to say. I got some help from the commentaries, from some friends, from just, this is some deep stuff here. But I think it's so important. What does it mean to be heaven first? 
I could say it this way, kingdom first. I could put it this way, eternity, what? First. In order to be a disciple, he was very clear with three men that tried to follow that you had to put things heaven first. And that's what I want you to think about today. Are you willing to be heaven first as a disciple of Jesus? And I'm not going to judge any of you because I know such as when I. This is going to take time. I would love for every one of you to hear these three things, address them immediately, and say, I'm going to live the life of a disciple. But that is probably not going to happen. You're probably going to need to take these three things and this text, and you're probably going to have to really go pray about it this week. And you're going to have to check yourself, and you're going to have to check your faith. But I'm going to encourage you, move forward. Make it heaven first. What are these three areas? Let's jump in, okay? As he addresses these three areas, Jesus is training his disciples, teaching them these things, but the focus shifts to some that would like to join. Luke eleven two, And he said unto them, when ye pray, y'all know this passage, pray, our Father, which art in, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Heaven what? First. When he's teaching his disciples to pray, he put this mentality deep within the fabric of our prayer lives. Just in case you think I'm isolating verse 57 through 62 of Luke chapter 9, this is permeating Jesus' entire ministry. This is how he framed everything for his disciples, lest you think that this is some out-of-context crazy idea that the pastor's having. It's not. Look at the way Jesus taught them to pray. And he said unto them, when you pray, pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Heaven first. Thy will be done. What does it say? Ah. On earth as it is where? I want heaven first. Say heaven first. Turn to your neighbor and say heaven first. That's right. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. Now give us this day our daily bread. Uh Uh-oh. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Let me go bury my... Uh, uh-uh. I want you to get to the place where you are relying on your daily needs from me. Forgive us our sins, verse 4, as we forgive other, everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Number one, do you believe... You have to ask yourself these questions. I have to hurry, listen. Do you believe that we are a part of something bigger slash greater than the United States of America. That was a hearty yes. Okay, I was not expecting that. (laughs) Why do I say I wasn't expecting that? Because we are caught up. We are so focused on what's going on here and now. Heaven first mentality, thy kingdom come. Stevie, it is so good to see you today, man. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It projects. We project onto our lives that we are not so concerned about our lives. We are so concerned about eternity. But the problem is if you ask this question to the majority of Americans today, they're going to be like, "Uh, no, ain't nothing bigger than my four square walls. I don't think that made any sense, but you understand what I was trying to say. Than my, anyway. 
You understand what I'm saying? Most people are self-absorbed. We have an iPhone. I'm going to come out with a new phone called the U-Phone, and no one would buy it. I'm concerned. Here's a U-Phone. No, I want an iPhone. Anybody get that? (laughs) Anyway. We're concerned about I, me. We're, We're concerned about what we have going on. My applications, what runs my life, iPhone. Steve Jobs was a genius. I'm going to take one letter from the alphabet that everybody loves. And everyone will buy my products. <laughs> I, boom, done, sold billions. I'm a billionaire. Look at my yacht. Why? Because I know how to play to people's selfish nature because we're sinners. You come out with a U phone, you come out with a give phone and all that stuff. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to go bankrupt. Why? Because people are concerned with themselves. Ask yourself this question. Do you believe that we are a part of something bigger or greater? Why do I believe you have to ask yourself that question? Because heaven first means nothing if you're earth first minded. If you have earth first mentality, then everything that I'm going to say, go ahead and just put the cotton in, turn it off, okay? Because it's not going to work if you don't believe there's something bigger. But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, just like Romans 5 8, the greatest conjunction in all the Bible. But because it leads to eternity, it leads to the Father looking down on earth and fixing everything. If you believe inerrantly inside your heart that there is something bigger than this little square of earth that you're standing on, this is for you today. If I'm connecting with the heart and you're going, yeah, yeah, there's something bigger. Thank God, because I got to go back home. I got to go back to my miserable life. Right? A lot of us get to that point where we feel that way. It's okay because there's something bigger. Question number two. Ask yourself that question. Got it? Ready? Good. What does that look like to you? Heaven first. There is something bigger than the United States of America? What does that look like? I mean, it could look like streets of gold and, you know, mansions. Sound good? No. It's going to look like <laughs> it's going to look like something that is imposed on your life. Jesus told these these guys and we're going to get into it. Ask yourself this one question. What does serving me look like to you? What does heaven first look like? Because to me, it looks like a cross. Number question number 3. These are just discovery questions. They're not the message. Just trying to help you get there heaven first. What challenges do you face? Merging the two worlds into one. This is hashtag real talk, okay? When you think heaven, and then you have where you live on earth, how does that look when we merge the two? I'm going to tell you what 90% of the Christians in this world, believers, what it looks like for them, just like this. I go to church on a Sunday morning. That's what it looks like when heaven merges with earth. It merges once a week for an hour in, depending on how long Pastor Matt studied. (laughs) An hour in, whatever, 30 minutes. That's when heaven merges with earth. It's however long I sit in the pews and enjoy worship and and I give my tithe or my offering or my whatever you do and I drink the spiritual coffee. We don't have holy water, we got holy coffee and, and, and it's all good. That's what happens when heaven merges with earth. And then Monday through Saturday, I go about my earthly stuff. Is that what it looks like for you? Because if that's what it looks like for you, then you're not going to like these three points. Just saying, warning, warning. But if you're interested in literally living like heaven on earth, then these are for you. What did Jesus say? We see three challenges to the kingdom efforts in this passage. Here it is. Number one, 
Foxes have holes. Birds have what? Nests. But the Son of Man hath not a place to what? Lay his head. The first thing that is a challenge of living a heaven-first mentality is comfort. 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 Let's use food as an illustration. Baby mom, what did we do all week this week? We fasted. Intermittent fasting. How many of you have heard of it? You have this problem, and it comes in the form of this. I was pushing it out a little bit. I was being a little aggressive. It's not that bad, but it's close. I am the heaviest I've ever been. It's a problem. I have to address it. (laughs) We have to put physique first, not food first, right? Anyway, so we're doing this, uh, (laughs) we're doing this diet called intermittent fasting. And and it's, the concept is this. I found this so spiritual. (laughs) Jim's laughing at me. He's like, how many is this, man? How many diets? I'm, this is the one, okay? This is the one. You and your omnitrition, gotta love it. <laughs> Delay, don't deny. Intermittent fasting. It's not about not having that food, it's about delaying the food. But you know the problem with that that I find intuitively to my nature of how God made me as a human being? It's not comfortable. Because I'm only eating five hours of the day. But I've learned that scientifically, if I put my body in that position, which, I mean, like, literally, you would have loved to have seen me this week. I'm glad no one came for counseling. It would have been bad. (laughs) Really bad advice. (laughs) I haven't eaten in 19 hours. (laughs) I don't care what you do. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Find a verse for that! Okay! (laughs) I'm just trying to finish my message for Sunday. (laughs) I was a little out of my mind. They say the first three days is the worst. We almost divorced. Just kidding. (laughs) But seriously. (laughs) No. Delay, don't deny. It's not that food is bad. It's how much we engage with it. And the amounts that we engage with it. Could it be that God created heaven in the form of a garden in the beginning that was perfectly proportioned? We in our bodies had no desire for more than what we should have. Therefore, sin at the core of our being Pushes the envelope in every area. Eat, eat, eat. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, who's, I think it's 1 Timothy, whose God is their belly. You say, is this a spiritual thing? Kind of. Because this cometh not but by prayer and fasting. We have to confront our comfort today. Comfort is killing Christianity. It's killing the gospel in our nation. As long as I'm good. As long as I got a comfortable place to sleep. Hmm. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But these 12 are in it for the long haul. They left their jobs. They left their houses. They left, what's he saying? Their comfort. So how do we apply, oh my goodness gracious, how do we apply this eternal message to 2019? Aren't we so far gone? Haven't we put ourselves in the position of comfort far too long? I mean, oh my goodness gracious. We've surrounded ourselves with comforts. We have to have that minivan. We have to. I mean, we have three children. Gosh, I didn't even need a car seat when I was born. 
I mean, my parents, my mom, those, those, steel, those steel car seat buckle things gave me third degree burns. Did my mother care about that? No. What has changed? My daughter's doggone car seat is memory foam. What is that? I mean, it's memory foam. I secretly crawl out at two in the morning to the van and sleep in my kid's car seat because it's the most comfortable thing ever created. Oh, my goodness. We are training the next generation to live one way, and that's comfortable. Would you be one of the 12 standing there? They were so consumed with Jesus that it didn't matter to them what they had to give up. And Jesus, it wasn't that this man that approached first, it wasn't that Jesus would have been like, okay, now go burn your house, burn everything comfortable, because I want you to be so uncomfortable, okay? (laughs) That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, can you put heaven first? Can you put heaven first? When it comes to comfort, is that in front of heaven? Hmm. Hope I'm connecting here. Listen to this text, Ephesians 1.18. The eyes of your understanding, Paul said, I've been loving this Ephesians study, by the way. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know, church, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Son. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. According to the mighty working of his power. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on the right hand in heavenly places. The eyes of understanding and wrought in Christ are the key statements in this passage. Are we perceiving our world? From the right perspective. Listen to this. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, comfort of love, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, Ooh. but in lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than themselves esteeming others better than themselves. Delayed comfort. Delayed gratification. Look not every man on his own things. The Son of Man hath not a place to what? Lay his head. Look not every man on his own things, but every man what? Also on the things of others. What is all of that? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The first challenge in opposition to the kingdom is the work to end our work. Comfort. The ideas of pleasure that fulfill our dreams. (laughs) Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I'm trying to get you to think this morning. Can you see that? Heaven what? First. There's a, a way to do this. There's a way for us to think And we put our thinking in heavenly places where our inheritance in Jesus Christ is. That's what Philippians is saying. So you're living from a place, follow me, you'll be living out from a place of fullness, not from a place of empty. Comfort is a a thing that you strive for. 
But if I have, Paul said, comfort in Christ, consolation, which is another word for that. The word consolation means to console. It's like saying that at a funeral, what do you do? You, you console people. Why? Because they just lost something. They need that type of comfort. That's what Paul is saying in the text. He's saying consolation needs to be in Christ. What does that mean? It means I've put my life to death. I have, I have put my physical, earthly life to death, and now I live from an earthly life down. I go heaven first. And when I approach an issue in the earth, I call on kingdom resources. Mm. Why do we have a church that is not filled with disciples? Because you lack the faith in his resources. And you see the need to do it yourself. Because of this one word, comfort. How does that translate between my lazy boy chair and sharing the gospel? Comfort. It translates. It does. It's going to get worse. Oh, my goodness. I I feel like that's all we can handle. Okay, see you guys next week. Point two. I'm really scared about this one. What's the next text? Ooh. The first one was what? What's the first thing that's in opposition to the kingdom? Comfort. Can you say comfort? Good job. Here's the second one, money. Jose, can you go back to that passage of Scripture? The loop, the, at the very top, the first one. Let's run, run through that again. Watch this with me, church. I'm throwing him a curveball. It's coming. Don't worry. And it came to pass that as they went their way, a certain man, right? Go to the next verse. Jesus said, foxes have holes. We got that. It's comfort. Verse 59. Look at this. I'm, I'm going to show you something. And he said unto another, next guy, number two, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. Can a dead person bury another dead person? There's more to this. There's more to this. What's he saying here? Not necessarily. Here it is, number one. The man was not dead. In this culture, we find that even with Lazarus, Jesus was four days late, and where was Lazarus? In the tomb. They didn't have the technologies that we have of embalming, right, to put them in you know, this process of holding them. When they died, within 24 hours, I mean, it continued, but they were buried. Buried. They were a part of that process almost immediately. This guy says, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus knowing what the man was saying. We have a really good way of wording things to make ourselves sound really what? Really good. Let me go take care of Pop, you know? He's in that assisted living. You know, he's just, he doesn't have that many days left to live. Here's what the problem was. The man was not dead. And number two, the inheritance was important to him. You see, when they passed from death to life, right before then, they gave the what? The blessing. So what is this man saying? Let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said unto them, let the dead bury the dead. But thou go preach the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about two different places. This is some 
severe exegesis here, so stay with me. Jesus is saying, you are of earthly-minded things, the dead, the temporal. Let those that are serving what you are serving, which is an inheritance, take care of those that are dying. If you would like to be my disciple, then you're going to go now and preach the kingdom of God. What did that mean for that man? He was giving up his what? His inheritance. That's what the text is saying. It's hard. Comfort first. I mean, you're trying to tell me that I need to do uncomfortable things for heaven? Yeah, probably not. Well, if you're not willing to do that, then I can almost rest assured that you're not going to do anything with your money. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Remember, I asked you a question in the beginning. I said, do you believe that there's anything bigger church than what we're experiencing right now on earth? What was your answer? Yeah. Unequivocally, yes. There is amazing, big, eternal things happening all around. Okay, I'd like for you to, to show me that in your finances. Uh, no. The only thing I got to worry about is paying that bill on time. You know? <laughs> I got bills. Let the dead Buried the dead. Let the physical take care of the physical is what Jesus was saying. Here's what I'm going to ask you today. You have got to change your mentality and put heaven what? Maybe you've never, you've just never taken that final step. I I want to be a disciple, but that's about as far as it goes. What's standing in between? I already know. Comfort and number two, money. Stay with me on this path. What does your money look like? And for some of you, that this is the second time or the first time you're here. Um, I don't preach on money every week, just so you know. Okay, I find it very difficult to preach on money. It's definitely outside of my wheelhouse. But God straight kicked me in the tushy this week and said, you don't want to speak truth? And I was like, okay, heaven first. See there? See how that works? This truth is missing from our lives. And here's how you know. I want you to go in your mind's eye right now and think about your money. Where did it go this month? How many of you are like, I have no idea where it went? (laughs) Come on, let's just be real for a second. You know what I'm saying? I just, I can't even track my spending. How many of you use a budget? Okay, let's start there. All right. (laughs) Let's get a budget. (laughs) Let's put that in order. How many of you are the money people in your house? You are the money people. How many of you are not? All right, cool. I know what I'm dealing with. It's difficult, but it's so, listen, it's so revealing. Here's some of it right here. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Why aren't we able to do heaven kingdom work? Because we're not being blessed by God. Ephesians and Philippians both put it, stay with me, come on. Always talking about money. I already see it. Thy countenance hath fallen. (laughs) Stay with me, church. There's a principle here, a clear, concise principle. Jesus told the man, let the dead bury the dead. Stop worrying about money. 
and your inheritance and serve me. Why did Jesus say that? Because Jesus knows what the Bible says. If you'll honor me first, I'll give you what you need. The problem is, number one, our expectations of comfort are way too high. First of all, we're chasing more and more and more and prettier and shinier and more expensive. Let's, let's back that one up, okay? You don't need all that. This ain't the price is right. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. You can live with what you need. You can get by because we're going to go heaven first. We're going to put the kingdom first. And if we do that, then maybe the city that we have, not that far from these doors and these windows, will be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're all going to take our resources and we're going to go get it. You know what I'm saying? But, but we don't have that. We're living on a limited supply in the church house because we have people that aren't willing to be disciples of Jesus. And what are they doing? They're controlling the flow. I'll give this. I'll do that. I'll, mm, I think I can handle that. Church, just give it to God. So shall thy barns be filled. What does that mean? It means that he's going to take care of you. Amen. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of thy substance. This is a principle that we've grown up with our entire lives, my wife and I. And there's been seasons where we've gotten away from it because of life. But if we're honest, we'll tell you this. God has been faithful. We believe that in finances, we have to put God what? First. We've never gone without. Never. And in fact, we've seen God do some pretty awesome things when we just say, we're going to give it and let him worry about it. You say, how does that look, Pastor Matt? It looks like obedience. Just obeying. Week in, week out. I think somebody's phone just went off. Money. Why is this important? Because you can look at your bank account and know if you're a disciple or not. That's tangible. That's tangible. Man, it's quiet. I love y'all. How are you doing in this area? Can we do better? Can we do better? That's what I'm going to ask you. If we live heaven first, then we're going to put God first in our finances. Can you be real? For a sec, how many of you struggle with that? Boom. Hey, guess what? So do I. And if we're honest, we all do. Comfort, number two, money. Here's the last one. Number three, friends. Go back to that text if you can, Jose. Let's scroll to the end. Next week I'll put it in there. The, the first one, Luke. And we'll go to the end, verse 61 and 2. So we have the first one. Foxes have holes. Then the second one, let the dead bury the dead. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And what did Jesus say, verse 62? And Jesus said unto him, no man, this is, think about this, having put his hand to the plow and looking what? Back. Is fit for the kingdom of God. 
This is the last thing that's going to keep you from being a disciple, from being all in. The key phrase that I want you to see is putting his hand to the plow. Hey, when you cut the grass, how many of you, you're ladies and you cut the grass? That's my job. Man, some of you like retracted quickly. You were like, what does that mean? You don't or you do? (laughs) How many of you love to cut the grass? I like to cut the grass because after you're done, you just kind of step back and you're like, man, look at them lines. You know, (laughs) some of you, I don't know where you get fulfillment because it's like, (laughs) well, Pastor Matt, you know what I'm saying? It was a John Deere tractor and I had my natty, but I'm (laughs) doing Let's just be real, okay? That's your Saturday thing. Okay, you take your time, do what you got to do. But the, the, the fun that comes for me with cutting the grass is looking at those lines. And, and you know, I want to, like, get, like, a, a stronger felt strip on the back so it lays the grass down more. I mean, that's my thing, isn't it? I'm just like, man. And then I sit on the porch for about 20 minutes after and sip my ice-cold lemonade <laughs> and I'm just like, man, look at those lines. <laughs> but seriously, so think about it in kingdom, in heaven first mentality. When you decide, this is so clear, when you decide to get on the plow, when you decide to cut the grass, what's important for the next line is that this line be what? Straight. And as soon as you go, hey, 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 George, good to see you. <laughs> right? As soon as you stop and talk to the neighbor and, and, and you're looking back from the line that you were walking, what's going to happen? It's going to get crooked. And that, some of y'all just need to concentrate. Your grass cutting would get so much better. The grass should be straight everywhere. I just can't handle it. I drive through your neighborhoods and I'm like, I just want to wreck my truck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have a problem. I do. <laughs> I go to counseling. No, just kidding. But straight lines are important. And the point is, is this man, Jesus said to him, he knew. You understand, Jesus was reading the what? The heart. No man having put his hand to the plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom. Was this some kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's wife turning to salt thing? Kind of. But not really. The point is, is when you become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, the goal is that other people what? Follow. Other people come. Other people see what you're doing. Twelve turned into 2,000 on the day of Pentecost. Here we are 2,000 years later, and how many Christians are there across the globe? Millions! Why? Because no man, having put his hand to the plow, if he looks back, is fit for the king. What does that mean? It means that if you're in, if you're a disciple and you're in the plow, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. It's life. Jesus is in it with you. Just keep facing forward because there's friends. There are people back here that need to see a straight line, that need to see something fitly joined together, a fruit of the Spirit, a lifestyle that loves the Lord and that says, I'm going to serve Him no matter what. But see the problem. Here's what you got. I want to be a disciple, and I still want to, uh, still want to do. I love you guys. You're so awesome. Mm. A man having put his hand to the plow and looketh back isn't fit. 
Do you understand the weight of putting heaven first? The weight is this. That if God is speaking to you in your heart right now, and He's saying, follow me. Follow me. Don't look back. Your friendships need to change. And I don't mean it in the sense, and some of you I do mean it in the sense that you shouldn't be doing some of the things you used to be doing. But I more or less mean that you need to be solid in who you are in Jesus and don't apologize for it. You're laying down a line. And if you're going to turn that thing and plow the other way, you, you better have done it straight. You better have done it right or this whole field is going to be screwed up. And that's what we got. We got problems. We got churches and the whole field is screwed up. You got all this area that could be plowed. All these resources that could be used for gospel kingdom. But we're all plowing like this. Hello. God bless you. We're all over that thing. God is saying, don't do it your way. Do it what? Mine. Your relationships should change when you become a disciple. Hey, let me go back home and just... Holla at my boy for a minute, and then I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I'm right there. No man having put his hand to the plow. I want all of you, and this is that part in the beginning where I say, I just love you so much, all of you. I want all of you to be disciples of Jesus. I desire that every one of you, lock, stock, and barrel, say, there's 13 disciples now. There's 14. There's 15 if I were to approach Jesus and the 12, I would be like, okay, all right, as much as I want it, I don't really need my apartment anymore, okay? You get what I'm saying. The inheritance thing, Jesus, that's kind of tough, but you sure you got me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got me? Okay, okay. I don't need the inheritance. We're good. Whew. Made it through two. Number three, when I show you the way that you need to live, you stick with it. Don't quit on me. You see, these disciples, these 12, they're going to go through hell on earth. But they're going to do it because they're putting heaven first. Do you get the truth? Do you feel that in your heart? Let's put heaven first today. It may mean some delay, but don't deny. You'll get through the first three days, church. I promise. I was like... (laughs) food three days (laughs) 19 hours of not eating don't focus on the not eating focus on the times that you get to what does that mean church I'm trying to tell you if you will just understand how good eternity is going to be church church if you'll just understand that living a life for God now Delaying comfort means an eternity, an eternity with Jesus when you can look at him and you can say, I cheered you on. I was your biggest disciple. What you did on the cross, it was, a, it was just an example for us all. And I lived my three score and ten, my 70 years, Jesus, I did it for you. For you. And he's going to be like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Get in here. Enter in, enter in now the joy of the Lord. Church, if you're not living for Jesus, you're believing a lie. If you're living for your temporal earthly comfort, the devil's got you snowed. If you're not faithfully giving to God to advance the kingdom, 
You're, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you're missing out. And there are saints of God that would all over this room that would testify to that, that it's a much better way to live. Church, if you're letting your relationships stand in the way of your relationship with God, then you're, you're just, unfortunately, eternity is going to be rough for you. Because your friends are going to look at you and they're going to go, why'd you cut the grass so darn crooked? All you had to do is say, this is what good looks like. All you had to do is live the way the Bible said and I would have been there. I would have followed. I would have jumped in and, and now I'm in hell for an eternity because you live like hell on earth. Ugh! How are you going to face that one day? How are you going to face the fact that if you would have just done heaven first, you would have been fit for the kingdom and everyone else that followed behind you, not to mention your children. Many of us come from bad cycles in our family and we're repeating it. In our kids, we're selfish. We're living selfishly. We have bad relationships. We don't get along with our spouse. Our lines look like this. They would send me to an asylum, spiritually speaking. The Word of God is so crisp and so clean when it comes to how we should live like Jesus. I'm, I'm praying today that all of you pass the test. All of you. And that you're like, okay, foxes have holes, I'm good. I don't need the inheritance. I don't need to go back and tell anybody that I'm following Jesus because they're going to what? They're going to see it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That was, it's done. I'm sweating. Serious message. That requires commitment. I want the Holy Spirit to work on you. If you're sitting here today and you say, you know what? Pastor Matt, all of those things considered, I still want to join Team Jesus. Here's my hand. Nobody's looking, just me. I still want to join King Jesus. Oh yeah, there's one. Who else? I want to be a disciple. None of those things are more important than me and my relationship with God. Here's my hand. Boom. Oh yeah. 